guys. Welcome back to Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Michelle, and uh, today we're doing a crash course in Brian Kenny 101. And now, normally this course is taught by Professor Justin Taylor, but he is on leave. So, in his place, I will be filling in with my new friend, Erin, uh, who hosts her own podcast. I'll let her introduce herself in her podcast in just a minute. And you will notice that Ken is not here today. And that's just in the event that we have a few spoilers. We don't want to ruin seasons two through five for him. So <laughs> we put him in a corner with uh, headphones on so he can't hear. All right. So Erin, tell everybody about um, about yourself. Hey, hi, I'm Erin Marlowe. And I host a podcast called It's a Fandom Thing. And we cover all things fandom primarily from the female perspective and pop culture. So we've, co- we've covered Queers Folk before. And we cover, um, Ishelle was on our Harry Potter episode. So we just cover a vast array of fandoms and then fandom topics as well. We've talked about fan fiction at length and shipping and stuff. So we just try to just cover as many fandoms as possible. And that way just, you know, you'll just have a little array of stuff that you can choose from. So if you don't like one thing, you can always wait and listen to another thing. So yeah. Yeah. And we've been around for a a year now. Yeah. Go check it out. I really like it. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, Erin. So let's just jump into it. Tell us your Queer as Folk story. How did you find Queer as Folk? Well, I watched Queer as Folk back when it was first on Showtime, but I didn't start right away what had happened was I had seen an episode and I, I wish I could remember exactly how I saw one episode, but it was well into season one. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And so I went and rented from Blockbuster <laughs> when those were around <laughs> yeah. um, a videotape. It wasn't even a DVD. It was a videotape oh, wow. of Queers Folk. And I watched it and I was pretty much hooked from the very first episode. And then um, my friend, Joyce, I wanted her to watch it with me because I was like, I think she'll like this. So she liked it as well. So what we would do is for the first couple of seasons, for the first two seasons, we'd wait until they were available to rent. And then eventually we started renting on DVD and we would have just like nights where we would just binge like five Mm -hmm. episodes (laughs) or something like that. And we were just in love with it and hooked and then we ended up being roommates and I got Showtime then around the third season. And so then we'd watch it live every Sunday night is when it would air. Mm-hmm. And it just became my favorite show very quickly. Um, Brian became one of my favorite characters on the show. And I just, what I really loved about it as a woman is it was so interesting to watch a show where the camera usually, you know, does like that male gaze thing where it travels up a woman's body kind right. of thing. And to see that as the opposite where you're actually, you know, where it's where it's the man, where you're celebrating a man's body, where you're celebrating two men being intimate with each other and mm-hmm. showing intimacy in a different way was just so wonderful to see, to yeah. see as a woman, I thought. And I just, I, I just thought it was such a great, great, wonderful show and so groundbreaking. Um and yeah, so I was just, I was hooked pretty much from the very first second I started watching yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same here. I think that's most people's story. You know, just something <laughs> yeah. about that first episode that just grabs you and pulls you in. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I 100% agree. <laughs> okay, so there are many wonderful, great characters in this show. And a lot of them have mm-hmm. complexities to them. The most prevalent one, yep. and what we're going to talk about is Brian. Um, but I think all of them 
you know, are interesting and uh, yeah. a little bit challenging in their own ways. And I really love that. <laughs> I love how they're written as uh, these complete human beings. And so we get to see that they're flawed and they have these weaknesses, but they also have these strengths and these little quirks and mm-hmm. just how that group comes together. <laughs> you know, I really yeah. love that. Yeah. Okay. So let's start out with Brian. We meet Brian in that first episode and he is this larger than life enigma, you know, um, this figure that's going into the back room with this guy and, you know, he emerges <laughs> from there and we see him with Justin. And so tell me, what were some of your initial thoughts about Brian? If you can think back to that. Well, on just um, kind of a purely physical and <laughs> not that deep level, um, I was like, I, I like to call him Brian sex on legs, Kenny. That's what I like to call him. <laughs> so that kind of highlights what I thought. I was like, oh my gosh, this is one of the most gorgeous specimens I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> so that was on a purely, you know, physical level. But then underneath it, I remember watching him. And especially in that first episode, even though he came off as kind of cold and arrogant and, uh, kind of like he was, he was that guy that you would see at the club who you may want to talk to. And there was no way in the world he was going to talk to you. And if he did talk to you, you were being blessed basically. Right. <laughs> um, but underneath it, you could almost see a little bit of vulnerability there where it was kind of showboating. He did a lot mm-hmm. of showboating. And I think even in the first episode, you can see layers to him where there is this insecurity there. That's what I've right. always said about him is he's actually very insecure and mm-hmm. he has this bravado covering it up. So those were kind of my first impressions was this is a really interesting guy. It's probably going to take a while to crack that shell, right? but I really want to crack that shell, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and just get to know him, the character on a deeper level and get to know why he is this way, why he showboats so much, why he's all about sex um, and not about intimacy. So yeah, on yeah. the surface at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, because I mean, it like those first six to seven episodes, he is like the biggest jerk. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. we get little mm-hmm. glimpses, but if you don't have a trained eye, if you don't know, like now I'm watching it for the second time, but the first time when you don't know to be looking out for those smaller little details, then I mean, luckily his handsomeness covers for a lot of his... <laughs> For a lot of the other crap that he puts people through, but um, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that then. And uh, there's so much with him, so I might be all over the place with my questions. So just follow me. Um, Okay, so this first one uh, is actually something that you brought up is um, his narcissism. And a lot of people call Mm -hmm. him a narcissist. And I remember, so, you know, I'm watching this with Ken and he'd only seen like maybe the first three to five episodes. And so- and it's all in a way it's still new to him, even though he's seen like, you know, the first couple episodes once before. Um, but that's what he said. He's like, you know, I think Brian's a narcissist is what he said at the beginning. But now he sees that there's, like you said, more layers to him. So let's talk about that narcissism that he has as a mask, mm-hmm. as a disguise. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's the best way to describe it is it's a disguise because on the surface, he can come off as very narcissistic. I mean, the fact that he abandons his friends outside the club in the very first episode (laughs) to hook up with somebody with Justin Mm -hmm. is right away. That kind of shows you that, okay, uh, obviously he doesn't care about anything except for, you know, getting off. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, he does that a couple of other times. He, 
can be very crass and very like, I don't care about your feelings. Um, I don't care if I hurt you with what I say. I'm going to be right. as honest as possible. But then I think um, anyone who's, and, and I guess maybe people might disagree with this, but I think someone, if he was truly a narcissist, I don't think he would have volunteered to have a baby for Mel and Lindsay. I just don't, even though I guess some people could say, well, it's the ultimate narcissism. He gets right. to you know, yeah. <laughs> have control over them having a child or not. Right. Or even some, to... some idea of immortality because he's created exactly. this duplication of yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. 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 Which I can see, but I think there's also this selflessness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that time and again, um, and I'll just stick with the first season on it, but you, you see that time and again with him where there's little things he will do that reflect that, that reflect that he's not just about himself, Yeah, that he does honestly care about the people in his little circle that he has there. And a true narcissist won't have that. A true narcissist right. won't care about other people. Um, and he clearly, clearly does. Even in the first scenes with Justin, even though he, you know, they, those could even come off as predatory. There's this also this, I don't know, there's like this care to it in a way. And I I don't know how to exactly explain it, but it's something with the way when they first have sex that even though there's no love behind it, of course, there's still this little tiny bit of intimacy there where he knows this is Justin's first time. So he's going to take it slow And, um, that to me is another thing that I really honestly don't think a narcissist would care to (laughs) take it slow or care that this, that Justin is terrified. I mean, absolutely terrified, but he, he's like, I'm going to take it slow. And yet the very next day he's like, wait, what's your name? I don't know who you are, (laughs) you know, know, whatever, whatever. And yet, I mean, so it's like, he has those moments where, the shell cracks a little bit and he mm-hmm. shows that he's not this narcissistic ass that he wants everybody to think he is. Cause I right. think that's the thing is he wants everybody to think that he's right. a narcissist. Right. Because that's safer for him, you exactly. know, and even, mm-hmm. you know, even after, because I mean, Justin was a hot piece of meat, you know, young fresh meat, <laughs> at, you know, on yep. the scene on Liberty Avenue. And so Brian could have gone back and bragged that, you know, he was the one to conquer that territory first, you know, but as a true narcissist, but he, to make it all about him, but he doesn't do that. I mean, true, his mm-hmm. friends know what happened, but, um, and eventually, you know, everybody else on the Avenue does, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but even just the way that he handled that, he didn't make it about himself, yeah. you know? Uh, so yeah, I, I do agree with that. And I would say that in some ways he is possibly the most sensitive of all of them. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Now he hides it, of course, but I really do think that he is probably the most sensitive of all of the, of all the gang there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe we've spoken in this, maybe we haven't, but I want to say it again and see what you think about it. But I think that when we meet Brian at, in that pilot episode, he, something in him is wanting to change or emerge or there, you know, there's just something that's wanting to get out of what his normal has been. What would you say about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point. And I think that might've been part of what attracted him to Justin, honestly, because the interesting thing about Justin, and I don't know if this is kind of going off of, of, of your question a little bit, but no, you're good. But I think the interesting thing about Justin is when you see all of Brian's other tricks and all the other men he hooks up with, honestly, 
in the first season, I can't think of a single one that even resembles Justin body type, anything like that. And I guess, I mean, you could throw it off to, well, he just wants to hook up with everybody, but there's something different about Justin. No, you're right. And I think there's a part of him. I think there are a couple things with that. I think uh, Brian is going to be turning 30 in this first season we see. Um, So I think there's some fear in his head already, whether or not he wants to acknowledge that. And so he's looking for something to change him or to break out of that. He's also got this thing where he's about to become a father, Mm -hmm. even though he's not the one that is responsible for raising the child, he still is about to become a father and he'll be in this child's life. Mm -hmm. So I think he's got all these things that are kind of changing his routine and upending his routine that he's not even fully aware of or fully comprehending. And I think that's kind of what's, what's, what's going on with him is he's like, okay, well, I've got these other things changing. So I wonder if I'm supposed to be changing with these, even if he doesn't want to acknowledge it. I think he's constantly in the first season fighting with himself. I think he's got this internal battle throughout the whole first season of should I change or should I stay the same guy who only cares about money and getting off? And I think another big part of what I think Brian and who I think Brian is, is Brian wants to show the straight world honestly wants to give a big middle finger to the straight world and oh, say, for sure. <laughs> we get, we deserve to have all this success. We deserve to have whatever we want. We deserve to be as sexual as we want to be. And, and in, is your fa- in your face as we want to be, and you can't do a thing about it. And we deserve this and screw you if you don't agree. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing you see within Brian in this first season and him changing is he's got this new person that comes into his life and he wants to mold that person into being him. Mm -hmm. But there's also this different layer to it where Justin isn't a narcissist at all. Right. Right. It doesn't present that way. So it's kind of like molding a different version of himself that 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 makes any kind of sense, but yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Yeah, Cause that's what he's, a lot of what he's doing, and we'll talk about some of that, is trying to, the the mottos that he's come to live by, he's trying to have, drill that into Justin's head also and have mm-hmm. him live by that. But it's like you said, Justin's not a narcissist. And at this point in his life, until things start to happen with, with his father and with school and all that, he uh, doesn't have those, um, he hasn't had those experiences to make him so jaded in, in life yet. And so he still sees things with wonder and with optimism and with a lot of excitement yeah. and these kind of innocent, uh, hopeful eyes. And uh, so, yeah, it is a, a weird thing that he's trying to mold somebody <laughs> who's just not, <laughs> yeah, not quite going to fit into that, you know, cast he's yeah. trying to put him in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some of Brian's mottos then. One of those being, he doesn't believe in love. Like that's his big thing. I don't believe in love. You know, he believes in you know, ultimate pleasure. Uh, how much of that do you think is true for him? I think that's BS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think, I do think he believes in ultimate pleasure. I do, I do believe that part because yeah. I think he is a very, very sexual being. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I just, right. I think he just, he just is, he's, he loves sex. He loves it. I mean, and that's a very human thing and there's absolutely zilch wrong with that. But he thinks in his brain, I think he thinks that that's not this, that that can't be ever equated with love. Mm -hmm. And I think Brian, I think Brian loves deeply. I think he loves deeper than 
anybody else on the show. Yeah. But he doesn't show it because he doesn't believe anybody loves him back. I think that's the big thing. That's Mm -hmm. why I think he's just, that's why I think he uses narcissism because he's so afraid of people not loving him. Yeah. Which you see a lot of that when you see his parents finally in the, the first season, you see why that would be. I mean, his parents are just jerks. Yeah. I mean, and very cold. Pretty awful. Yeah. They treat him like trash. And yeah, so I I don't, I think it's BS. And I think deep down he knows it's BS. Yeah. I don't think other people around him know that though. That's right. Like, yeah. I think that, I think that he has the biggest, like you said, I would call it, I'd say the capacity to love. Like I think, but he doesn't really know how to do that because like you said, he wasn't shown that, that wasn't modeled to him. But I definitely think that he has the biggest capacity to, um, yeah, to love people. Uh, and we see him, and so he does it in other ways, you know, where he, he's not, even if he's not saying it with his words or whatever, or doing it in ways that we would typically associate with uh, showing love, even in a friendship. He does it in other ways. Like when he tells Melanie and Lindsay, he'll pay for whatever Gus mm-hmm. needs or when he's there for Ted, you know? Um, so he, yeah. So he does it in other ways. Cause he doesn't know maybe the traditional patterns of, of showing love, but yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. It's all, all mm-hmm. BS. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. And then it really is. Well, I saw a comment on, I think it was one of the Facebook groups and a girl said, you know, even if he, you don't have to believe in something for it to still be true for you or still to apply to you. So yeah, he can say one thing mm-hmm. with his words, but no, I don't. I don't yeah. buy it, sir. <laughs> his actions speak speak volumes. I right. mean, throughout, and even in the first season, they do. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of what he does. I mean, letting Justin even stay with him, seeing right. Justin more than once. The stuff that he does for Michael, the stuff that he does for even Ted, shows that he has the capacity to love and to love deeply. And that mm-hmm. his relationship with Lindsay, I think also shows that in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with, and with Gus, you really see it with Gus mm-hmm. too. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. From that, from that first night. And so I think that's what Justin sees. He sees that capacity that Brian has to love because of what he, mm-hmm. you know, when he sees him with Gus there in the hospital and that is what keeps him going. Even, you know, after one rejection after the next, <laughs> that's yep. what keeps him coming back. <laughs> Yeah, and, and thank goodness for his resilience there. Uh, yeah, he's okay. persistent. <laughs> yeah, he is very persistent. <laughs> you know, and I think it would it had to take somebody that was so young. Oh, and yeah. I use the word innocent. I use that word, you know, loosely. But who was so young and still, like I said, not jaded by all things in life mm-hmm. to truly pursue Brian. Because anybody else would have been like, I don't have time to put up with this. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's so disheartening and discouraging. But. So I think it did take, and I don't want to say he had to be like some cougar or whatever, but, uh, and so it had to be a young person, but I just mean, it had to be somebody who, with fresh eyes and new on the scene, um, mm-hmm. yeah, who, what, who didn't buy into that whole narcissistic ego thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Justin knows how to use that ego against him too. Oh That's yeah. The other oh thing. yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole dancing in the club scene where he mm-hmm. takes those men away from Brian. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a totally using his ego and all that stuff. Yeah. And he knew it would work. And that's the thing is he called his number from the first moment he met him, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what's so interesting about the two of them. But. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about some of his friendships then. Um, 
Well, we'll get to Michael later because that's a little bit more complicated. So <laughs> yeah. let's talk about, well, and I think even this goes back to what you were saying about the difference between a true narcissist. A true narcissist likes to be the center of attention all the mm-hmm. time. Now, Brian will do that sometimes because he is brash and it's part of building up that disguise, like we said. But a lot of times when we see him and he's like at the diner with them, he's just sitting there, you know, and they're doing mm-hmm. all the talking. and He's not very vocal. And so I think if he were a true narcissist, he definitely wouldn't be, you know, sitting there listening to Ted talking about what's happening with Mr. Workchefter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about, uh, let's say his friendship with Ted and specifically Ted names him to be the person who decides whether to pull the plug or not. So speak a little bit about that situation. What do you think about that? I think on the surface, um, what that is about, if you just look at it just on just a shallow level, people might say, well, it's because Brian doesn't care about Ted and doesn't have any feelings. So it'd be a lot easier for him to pull the plug, so to speak, on on Ted. Um, And I think even Ted kind of alludes to that as well. But I think on a deeper level to it, um, I think Ted somewhat knew that Brian would be the only one to be able to handle that situation and to think logically and to think of what would be best for Ted, which totally seems counterintuitive to who Brian might be. But I think that was part of it is that I think with like Michael, Michael would have been too emotional and too me, 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 me. I mean, I I love Michael, but Michael can be extremely selfish. So (laughs) I think it would have been very me, 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 me. I think Emmett, it would have been too hard for him emotionally mm-hmm. because he's mm-hmm. he's just such a sweetheart. Yeah, and just too close so, to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and too close to him. And so I think he thought logically, Brian number one would be not thinking about himself because I think of all of, of the three of them that that Brian is the least close to Ted out of the three. So I think he would have been thinking more about how it would affect Ted long term, like. Are we really going to leave him in a vegetative state if that's not good for him? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where it came from is he knew Brian would be the one to really, really think about Ted in it and not himself, which is not a narcissist thing either. Yeah. So. Well, because he knows that Brian can compartmentalize. And, you exactly. know, unfortunately, Brian mm-hmm. had to learn how to do that just to survive, you know, his childhood and his yeah. and his parents. Mm-hmm. But he, he can do that. Uh, and even if he's going to have those feelings, he knows how to push him to the side and just do what needs to be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think that's what, that's what Ted knew. It wasn't a slight to him. It wasn't to punish Brian. Like he really, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, he knew that he'd yeah. be able to do what was logical and what was practical in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then let's talk about, I guess we can talk about a little bit of, um, well, let's go in a, to Lindsay. Let's look at his relationship with Lindsay then. Tell me what you think about that one. Well, and I, I don't think this is at all in spoiler territory. I think Lindsay is madly, deeply, passionately in love with Brian. Oh, yeah. I have thought this from the first (laughs) moment I saw them together. Brian is definitely this the person that if she were to leave Mel for anybody, it would be Brian. Mm -hmm. And Brian, I don't think Brian isn't in love with Lindsay. I just want to say I don't think Brian... Um, I think they fooled around. That's my guess is they fooled around when they were um, exploring, but I don't think they ever dated. No, I don't either. <laughs> I know that debate's going around, but I don't think they ever dated. 
Um, no, you I know, I will fist fight people about yes. that. <laughs> I do think they fooled around, but I do think she is deeply, deeply in love with him. And while I appreciate their friendship, I don't think it's necessarily the healthiest no, no. relationship because of the fact that Lindsay is in love with him. And I think it taints everything. And she's a lot like Michael with him where mm-hmm. she excuses everything he does. And I love him, but he oh, yeah. does horrible things. Right. And they both <laughs> excuse it. And I think it would be really hard to be Mel and be in the middle of their relationship when she's like, I love you. And I just want us to be partners. But this other guy is always there. And you even invited him to be the father of our child. I right. mean, I can't even imagine what that conversation. Oh was gosh. Yeah. It still blows my mind that Mel actually agreed to that. Sometimes I'm like, mm-hmm. how did she ever agree to do that? <laughs> yeah. Because that means he's going to be in your life more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I think they've got a good friendship at times. And I think Lindsay is one of those who really, um, who never felt envious of Justin as opposed to Michael, because I think those are the two friends that are the closest to him. And I think she never felt envious. She really saw who Justin was to him instantly. And so I think that's a little bit different than the way Michael approached it. Right. But I do think there's that unhealthy aspect to it because of Lindsay being in love with him. I mean, and I mean, he could be one of those characters where almost anybody falls in love with him, but I don't think that's really the case. I just think right. she just really has been deeply in love with him forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple things that made me think about, well, one, you know, I think she's not envious of Justin because she, even if she has got some questionable stuff about her sexuality, it's Brian straight up, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. homosexual. Yeah. yeah. And so I think she knows in her own mind, I think she does. Because even with Gus, I think that's her kind of being able to straddle that fence or have the best of both worlds, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I've probably said that before, but she knows that it's not going to happen with Brian. And so she can see, like you said, she can recognize she, her glasses aren't so, (laughs) 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 or her blinders aren't like so restricting that she can't see what's going on with him and Justin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, that's different from, from Michael because Michael is a man and is very close to Brian. Uh, But yeah, so I think that's the case with Lindsay. Okay, now here's something, and I might cut this out. We'll see. (laughs) But okay, so in episode one, they make a comment, you know, about Brian and Lindsay fooling around a couple Mm -hmm. times. But later, I think it's in season two, they say it happened once. And Mm -hmm. so let's make, so let's talk about when you're writing a show or whatever. I feel like, and maybe this is just because it serves my own <laughs> opinion, but I feel like when you revisit a topic and you speak about it different the second time, at that time, you know more about your characters and more about mm-hmm. the projection of your story and where your story's going. And so I feel like when they come back and they talk about it again, that's probably what I should go on. <laughs> so, Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I yeah. think, you know, and that's why I say they didn't, date. I just don't think they did. I think they just fooled around. And I, you know, and I do think it was probably just once. um, And it was probably just like a, 
Yeah, well, there were circumstances. Yeah, it was. There were circumstances, and I forget all of them because I have only seen that episode (laughs) once. But, you know, we're coming up to season two, so I will go off about that for 30 minutes, I'm sure. (laughs) But, but, uh, yeah, and they explained kind of what was happening in that situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, anywho, but yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, and I think this goes back to what we were talking about him having the capacity to love, but not really knowing exactly how to do that. And I think that's why he's in a lot of these friendships that like you, I'm glad he has, but they do have some unhealthy elements to them. And so I think that there are people that are in his life and I'm glad that he has Michael. I'm glad that he has Lindsay because he needs to have somebody, but it's that thing where I think were he in a healthier place and were he more emotionally mature, those friendships might would have had an expiration date a little bit sooner because of the unhealthy aspects of them Mm -hmm. and not needing somebody to, to feed his ego and to, to hero worship him and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's dig into this other one. We might circle back to Lindsay. I might have some more thoughts on that one, <laughs> but let's <laughs> dig into this conversation with uh, the codependent relationship that he has with Michael. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all, yeah. Tell me uh, about that one. Um, <laughs> that was the most unhealthy relationship I think on the whole show because Brian knows that Michael, I think Brian really knows that Michael is really infatuated and in love with Brian in a very unhealthy way. Um, I think he's always been in love with Brian since they were kids. And Brian knows this. And I think at times Brian uses this. And that's why I find it unhealthy because Mm -hmm. if Brian doesn't like a thing that Michael is doing, he knows how to push a button to make Michael not do it. Um, You see it in his relationship with David. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though I do not like David, I cannot (laughs) stand David. And I think David was not the right guy for Michael at all. Um, I still think what Brian did with that relationship was really shitty because Mm -hmm. He knew, I mean, he basically, he dangles a carrot out there for Michael. We call it breadcrumbing. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, yes, maybe someday, you know, and Mm -hmm. Deb always calls him on it. Maybe someday you'll be able to have me, but he's never going to be able to have him. And Brian knows this, but he uses that because I think with Brian, he's so afraid of losing Michael because if he loses Michael, he loses the one person that even with all the with all his crap, with him treating them bad, he loses the one person that he really, I think, feels deep down will not leave him. He, lose, right. he loses his best friend. He loses um, someone who's been almost like a brother in some right. ways to him. And so he knows if he uses that and dangles that carrot, he can keep Michael closer to him. And if anybody tries to take Michael away and have Michael think for himself or have his own life or not just be following Brian around like a puppy dog, um, then he's worried that they'll wake up and realize in Brian's head that Brian isn't worth his love and respect. And yeah. so that's why that relationship is so unhealthy to me. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I won't speak to the seasons. Of course, I think stuff changes later on, but I just, it just always really bothered me in the first season. And I love Michael. I know a lot of yeah. people have issues with Michael. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I love Michael. I just always want to shake Michael though and say, Right. Ryan is never going to be yours. <laughs> right. 
I know you think that if you keep waiting, you do whatever he wants you to do, he's going to, you're going to be his and he's going to be yours, but it's never going to happen. (laughs) He's never going to finish as Justin says, finish jerking you off. It's just not going to (laughs) happen. It's not going to happen, Michael. (laughs) No. It will We'll keep going on this, but what you said, when you think of something, it's just like a, a smaller scale. What he has going with Michael is just a smaller scale of Brian thinking that his sexuality is what makes him valuable to people, you know, yes. and, and his, his image and him being mm-hmm. desirable. And so he does that with Michael, too. I mean, he does that mm-hmm. at Babylon and everywhere on Liberty Avenue and even at his office. But, yeah. yeah, it's just a smaller scale of him thinking this is what it will take to keep Michael close to me. So I have to dangle this carrot. I have to drop these breadcrumbs, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to say it's all like, oh, poor Brian, he has to do that. Because like you said, he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> but but it's just, again, we yeah. see that that's the only thing that he thinks can keep, um, can keep Michael close to him, like you said, because that is the only person that he believes mm-hmm. no, that no matter what will not, will not leave him. Because he knows that, Lindsay's got whatever she's got toward him, but Lindsay has also started a new life with Melanie. And so her in her just day to day is a lot different. They're not around each other all the time. Like he is with Michael. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, I mean, even though I think it's unhealthy, I do think, in a that, you know, Brian, Brian, I think, loves Michael more than anybody else in his life. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian would do anything for Michael, even though he dangles those carrots and it seems like he wouldn't. Right. I think he would do anything for Michael. Yeah. Well, I we see him do would, it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's the thing is that even though it's unhealthy and even though sometimes it can seem one-sided, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I don't think Brian's in love with Michael, but I think no. Brian loves Michael deeply and deeper than anybody else in his life in, in up to this point. right definitely where we, are, where we are yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so too well I mean even to the point to where he was willing to walk away from that friendship because Deb had told mm-hmm. him that was the best thing for Michael and he knew that was the only way to get Michael to stop pining after him and so he loved him enough exactly. to say you know I mean he, that whole birthday party thing God, to yeah. just say yeah to walk away from him and so yeah, I definitely think so. It it can look a little one-sided um, just on the surface, but for sure, he loves him very deeply. I don't think yeah. it's an intimate type of love. Like, mm-hmm. no. Mm-mm. So I know for some people, there are some Brian and Michael shippers out there in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not one. And I'm like you. I don't, I don't hate Michael. I do appreciate Michael, but like you, I want to shake Michael at times, you know, Mm -hmm. he he gets right on my nerves sometimes, but um, yeah. Okay. So I know that there are Brian and Michael shippers out there, like I said, Mm -hmm. but were you somebody who from the beginning thought that it was going to go in that direction? Like season one was going to kind of go more in that direction. You mean with them ending up together Mm -hmm. kind of thing? I did, honestly. Yeah. Because to me, it was the total setup that you will see time and time again of yeah. the friend pining over his other friend and the friend not noticing him in that way. Yeah. I mean, and that's like classic rom-com. It is. Yeah. It's a classic <laughs> yeah. trope. Yeah. A classic friends to lovers kind of thing and mm-hmm. one pining for the other. And so I did. I really honestly thought that in the first season, I was like, okay, they're going to somewhere along the line, they're going to end up together. Yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think, and it, it's so hard when you've, um, well, I think 
from the first time I saw it, it was many years ago when I saw the first episode. I always, I was, I didn't see it that way. I, uh, I don't know. I, I just, one, I really didn't know what exactly what I was watching. <laughs> and so <laughs> I didn't see it going in that direction. I kind of always had another direction I wanted it to go in. Uh, but now I'm trying to look back and see, do I think that relationship would work definitely where they are in season one? Do you, what would you say, Erin? Do you think that relationship would work? Would work? No, I think it would be a disaster. I think it would be a disaster of epic proportions if they were <laughs> to have ever gotten together, especially in this first in this first season. Never. It would be. Uh, it, it, Michael would be so hurt and heartbroken that I yeah. think it would make Michael a hardened person. Mm-hmm. And I think it would really, really. I don't think they would ever recover. Honestly, yeah, I don't think no. they would be able to be friends again. Um, I think Brian would never be able to be monogamous with Michael and Michael needs that. Michael Mm -hmm. is a very romantic person and he needs that. And Brian could not fulfill that for him in this season. It would have been a disaster. And that's why I didn't want them together because I was like, this would be so unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I know a lot of people think um, and I understand a lot of people think Justin and Brian are a very problematic relationship because of the age thing. And I totally understand that. But I think it's a totally different kind of relationship than it would have been with Michael. And mm-hmm. I think Brian would have destroyed Michael emotionally. Yeah. And I mean, I love Brian, but I really think it would have been a very, very, very hurtful relationship. And I think yeah. Michael would have turned into a hard and cold person. So yeah, it would have been awful. Yeah. And I don't even think he would have intentionally destroyed him. It's just, that's what it would have been. Well, the other Mm -hmm. thing is because I don't think that Michael really sees Brian as Brian. I think Mm -hmm. it's more the idea of Brian that he's in love with that, that big larger than life, that hero, you know, that comic book hero kind of thing that he's constructed in his mind. And so that's what he was in. I think that's more so what he's in love with. And I think were he to get into a relationship with Brian and actually see who that human being is. And I think that would crush Brian too, because that's Mm -hmm. the last, that's the person who had faith in him and who believed in him, at least at that point in his life, that was the only person who had that. And so Michael would lose that and that would crush Brian as well. Yeah. It's like they say, never meet your your heroes. (laughs) And I, even though they know each other and they've met, of course, I do. I think that's true. I think Michael has this romanticized prince version of of him. Yeah. It's like, he's the prince that's going to rescue him. And that is not Brian. And that's not who Brian is. And I'm not saying that Brian hasn't done heroic things because he has, but he's not that prince and that's Mm -hmm. what michael wants him to be and so that's why it would totally destroy michael it would have been the worst thing and i'm so grateful that in the that they didn't do that in this beginning like i thought they would Mm -hmm. i thought that i thought honestly that's the way the first season was going to go and i kind of learned pretty quickly that that probably wasn't going to happen but it was still in the back of my head yeah most that season so yeah. Uh, well, and the other thing is just on a base level, like, I just don't think they were compatible either, you know, like not at all. <laughs> and so do you think that there was some point in their history where Brian might've considered that? I think when they were young, when they were really young and, you know, when they talked about the scene where they both, you know, get uh, it, Patrick Swayze, when they see the picture of uh-huh. Patrick Swayze, when they're talking about Patrick Swayze and their mutual attraction and, you know, and Brian notices that Michael's aroused by that. I think if they hadn't been interrupted, I honestly do think that 
probably would have been something, but I think that's the only time Michael, I mean, Michael Bryan would have considered that. Yeah. Is that time. And then I think later on, you know, Ryan's like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's yeah. where I don't go. I'm <laughs> going to use it, but I'm not going to do it. So. Right. Yeah. Well, cause I think they were probably only out to each other uh, mm-hmm. at that point. And so yeah. it wasn't a like, uh, I've really set my sights on you kind of thing. It's like, you're here and I'm here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. more, of a, mm-hmm. more of a convenient thing. But yeah, yeah. he, then he I definitely think wisened up and was like, not just some people will say, well, he didn't want to ruin the friendship. And so that's why he didn't cross the line. I don't think it was that. I, no, I think he just really wasn't. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. No, yeah. Into him in that way. It's more of a brother thing for him. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. But yeah. But that codependence, like you said, definitely goes mm-hmm. both ways. With it him, does. With it really them. does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's stay with the Novotnys and talk about Debbie and her relationship with, uh, with Brian. What are your thoughts on that? Um, that is one of my favorite relationships in the whole entire show. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff I'd want to say would be spoilers, so I won't right. say a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but I think Deb is the person that can call Brian out on his shit, and Brian will actually take it to heart. I think mm-hmm. she's the only person. Not even Michael can do that. Not even Justin, to some extent, can do that. But I think Deb can do that because Deb is his mom. I mean, Deb is the only person that's been like a mom to him. Mm-hmm. And I think Brian, I think Brian respects Deb in a way that he doesn't respect other people. For sure. And he doesn't always show it, but I think he really, really respects her. Um, and even though I think he considers her like a mom, I think he also considers her like an equal. And I just, I love their relationship. I think it's next to Justin, I think it's one of the least unhealthy relationships Brian has in his <laughs> life is with Deb. Yeah. I honestly do. Cause, and she's one of the ones that, you know, she also is like, your relationship with my son is unhealthy. Yeah. Um, but she loves Brian. I think she deeply loves Brian. I think she considers Brian like a son. Um, and I just, I just, there's so much I would say, but I don't want to spoil <laughs> things because I just, I love their relationship. So some of my favorite scenes have been with the, just the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th- remember, this is just part one of this Brian Kenny. I know. Kenny I know. Course. So we, you know, we'll, we'll revisit and talk about some of this other stuff. But I, I agree that he does see her as his mom because even growing up without a parent, there's still, or out, out I'm sorry, without um, parental love, there's still mm-hmm. something in him that wants that, you know? Oh, and yeah. so that is definitely seeking for that motherly love and motherly affection. And he finds that in Deb. And I love that she provides that, that for him. And like you said, mm-hmm. there are times when she can speak to him in a way and make him do things, <laughs> you know, oh, or, yeah. or make him take it to heart that uh, the others can't because he might hear something from Michael, but Michael's stuff has that other, the whole unrequited love stuff to it. And so all that can mm-hmm. be a little tainted and a little biased. And even same from Lindsay, who can try to control and manipulate Brian in her own ways. But um with Debbie, he just hears it as, okay, this is a person who is maybe mothering me, but it's because she cares, you know, and because yeah. he respects her in some ways as an equal. I think what, like what you said, I do agree with mm-hmm. that. She's somebody who's just, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. <laughs> and, and anybody who has that kind of creed, he has respect for that kind of person. Yeah. And I think it's also, and this also is, is the way I think he feels about Justin's mom too. Not, not to the same yeah. degree, of course. But I think what what Brian sees is he never grew up with somebody who loved him like that, a Mm -hmm. a parent that loved him. And he sees that with Deb and he sees that with Jennifer. 
And I think that's why he can be like, you know, I think he kind of gets annoyed with Michael at times because he's like, you have no idea how lucky you are. Like, I know a lot of people think that they're like, man, Michael, you are so (laughs) lucky to have a mom like that. Uh I would have loved to have a mom like that who Mm -hmm. didn't supported me and wasn't like going to turn me away if I came out and wasn't, you know, was always going to be there for me and love me no matter what. And, you know, Brian doesn't have that at all. Nowhere close to that. And, um, and I think he also sees that with Jennifer too. So I think that's why he respects Deb so much as he's like, she's a real parent. She knows what being a parent is. She Mm -hmm. knows what it means to really love your child. And while at times I think it can sometimes be unhealthy, with her and Michael, I think sometimes she yeah. can be a little bit too oh, involved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, she really, she loves Michael deeply and she is a really good parent and she's a really good foster parent, basically, to a, to all these people on Liberty yeah. Avenue. You know, and that's what's so beautiful about Deb is she just takes in so many, like I've always said, she kind of reminds me of my mom in a way because when we grew up, my sister and I hung out with all the quote unquote freaks and people, nobody (laughs) wanted to love. And, you know, and, and, um, and my mom would take them under her wing. I mean, I remember we'd have people over and she'd be like, you know, sitting there having deep conversations with our friends and, (laughs) you know, and, and I think that's so rare. And so I think that's why Brian loves Deb so much as he didn't have that. And he sees how special and rare that is. So. Yeah, yeah, I just I love those two together. It's it's yeah, it's probably my second favorite relationship in the whole show, honestly. You know, um, you brought you brought up Jennifer, and that's another relationship that I love, Brian and Jennifer. Mm-hmm, and I love too. to see how mm-hmm. it grows over the seasons. And if <laughs> I got my wish and we got to see them in another season or reunion movie or whatever, like that's the one I want to see, like what that has progressed Mm -hmm. to, because I 100% agree. He does respect Jennifer in that same way. And he's very um, pivotal in just in maintaining that relationship with his mom. I tell her, yeah, okay. She's chasing you down at Woody's, but it's because Mm -hmm. she cares about you. And so he does what he does with Michael. He does the same thing with Justin. Like you have a mom who loves you. Don't just walk out on that. Yeah, because he's like, my mom wouldn't chase me down. My dad wouldn't chase me down. And yeah, they don't even know I'm gay. <laughs> down that- yeah, exactly. And after, and you know, it's like, and you know, after he tells his dad, it's uh, he still doesn't have his dad chasing him down and wanting to get to right. know, know his life. And that's what Jennifer wants to do. I mean, Jennifer knows that her son is gay even before he comes out to her. So it's mm-hmm. like. It's totally what he never had. And I think he sees that and he's envious of it, but he also respects it. And he's like, yeah. he, I think it really angers him that anyone would be like, oh, whatever. They're kind of annoying when he never had that, you mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. 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 Okay. So um, I do love his relationship with, with Debbie. I'll say that again. But again, it's one that's still got some issues because you know these are our people and you know they got problems (laughs) but so I think uh something else I want us to talk about is how they all kind of keep him in a in a box in some ways and I think Debbie in some ways is included in that she does the same thing in some ways so let's talk a little bit about that how this friend group that he is how they box him in by discounting his needs and feelings Mm -hmm. and buying into that ego that narcissistic ego that he has yeah, I think 
Um, I think the big thing is they don't think he deserves any um, empathy. Um, I think they feel they could say whatever they wanted to to him and treat him however they want to. And it won't matter because it won't affect him and he won't be hurt by it. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact opposite. And you see it a lot. It's it's his feelings and his needs are discounted, which I think the reason people do that is because they buy into the whole narcissism thing. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, whatever, it won't, it won't bother him. He lets things just roll off his back. But he doesn't. He piles them up and piles them up right. and piles them up inside. And it's just, it's sad to see sometimes the way people treat him where he's so, I think he's a very lonely character. He may have guys over all the time, but he's very alone. He's very much alone. I mean, his loft is cool and all, but there's a coldness to it because it's like kind of just the place where he goes to take care of physical needs, but not so much the emotional needs. Mm Mm-hmm. And so because they see that, they don't see that inside. He's really this little hurting little child in a way. And they just take advantage and take advantage and be like, oh, Brian will take care of this. I mean, even Ted's thing of having him be the one to decide his life in a way is playing into that. Um, And I think people think Brian is stronger than he really is. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I can't wait to – I really hope (laughs) – You'll probably add this, but I really hope that you have me back to talk about season four because season four, Brian is one of my favorite Brian's to talk about. So I'm writing it down right now to have you on to talk about season four, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That just, all of a sudden I was thinking about that, a few scenes with like Ted and, and Debbie and all sorts yeah. of things. So. Oh yeah. That is a, that's a great, yeah. <laughs> um, But I agree with you. He is very emotionally lonely, you know, and, and what you said about how he just takes all that stuff on when they just kind of pile it on or when things happen or people say things to him, he just takes it on. But what starts to happen in season one, he's not at home in the loft by himself all the time anymore. Justin is there. And so Mm -hmm. I do think Justin starts to see some of that stuff, you know, I Mm -hmm. think specifically of the episode after he has the, um, the interaction with Gee at the farmer's market or whatever. And he tells him like, I'm going to adopt Gus, you know, Gee tells him that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the night when, you know, just it's the whole killing him with kindness scene with Justin, but Brian has taken that home with him. All that stuff that's been dumped on him. Everything's been said about him. He takes that mm-hmm. home. And this time he's not alone in it. Somebody is there with him. And so we do kind of get to see a little bit of that. And so that makes me grateful for Justin's, the introduction of Justin into his life. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think they definitely discount his feelings and his emotions and some of it. He, I mean, he plays into that as well. He lets it go on, mm-hmm. but it's that thing where it's like, well, if you think that about me, then I'm not going to change what you think. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, it's a very interesting thing with him because mm-hmm. I think, and I think even some viewers don't necessarily see that. I think. Right. A lot because I know um, he's been a character that, and I don't know if you've, I'm trying to remember, I think you mentioned this on the podcast too, but I don't remember, but you know, I know the writers have said even they had people come up to them and say how much they hate Brian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know that that's, that's a, and I remember when the show was first on and even being like on message boards and stuff like that and people talking about how much they despised Brian Uh and 
so I think even people don't even see that, how sensitive right. he is. So, right. You know, and that's, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is to pull out the things like that, that you don't see, um, because they're not just in your face and on the surface. And I think the writers are very smart, but sometimes uh, it's like, um, like a song artist when they write lyrics that make no sense to you, but they are actually very clever. And <laughs> but sometimes it's written in such a way where like, it has this great meaning, but the audience will never grasp it, you know? And so unfortunately, some of that happens in this show too, where there's a lot of stuff that they don't just spell it out for you and tell you exactly what's going on with the person. You really have to dig into, you know, what's happening in a scene or over a whole mm-hmm. season to figure out all the nuances. And so that's kind of what sparked this whole podcast. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I think I just want to give a shout out to Gail Harold because oh, I yeah, think a lot of what you see in between the lines is in Gail Harold's eyes. I mean, you yeah. see that vulnerability in his eyes. I think he's so good at that uh-huh. because I think he um, read deeper into the meaning of this character. And you could really see in his eyes in some of the scenes that vulnerability that the words were trying to hide. And I just, I mean, I don't know if any other actor, I mean, there are probably other actors could done, but I think he just did such a great job at yeah. portraying that, at, at instilling the vulnerability in this character from day one. I mean, you see it in the first episode when he's on the roof mm-hmm. with Michael. I mean, there's so much vulnerability in that scene. So yeah, so I, I just, I wanted to shout him out because I just think he's really good. Yeah. Well, that's something that we talked about in our interview with Scott Lowell is that they really had to give themselves over and become these characters, at least for the time that they were (laughs) filming this show. And I think I would probably say all of them did for the most part and um, maybe one exception, but that's a person that everybody in fandom knows about anyway. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but, and so he definitely is one who did do that, who gave himself over mm-hmm. to to this character and had a really good, well-rounded understanding of who Brian was. And so, like you said, a lot of it is not in the dialogue. It's in his face. It's in his eyes. It's in his posture, in his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great yeah. job, Gail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on top of all the other issues that Brian has that we've already talked <laughs> about, there is this very real fear of, for him of of getting older. Uh, and not being young and anymore, you know. So tell me what your thoughts on that. Well, I think it goes again into his whole valuing um, thing, thing that his only value is as a sexual being mm-hmm. and for his body. And yes, he is, like I said in the beginning, he's sex on legs. He is gorgeous. He is an yeah. absolutely beautiful, beautiful, beautiful specimen that is just so much fun to look at. I mean, honestly. <laughs> um but that can get old and people who um, are beautiful, if there's not something else there, they can become less beautiful. And I think for Brian, his whole identity is wrapped up in the fact that he is this gorgeous, gorgeous man. And so I think for him, his worry is if he gets old at all, he shows age, if he becomes not um, the hottest trick on Liberty Avenue. Right. Um, then he has no value, then he means nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think he really thinks that that's the re- way people look at him is that he's only valued for his body and for his looks. And so for this whole first season, he's dealing with the fact that one, he's becoming a father, which I think automatically, I think some people when they become parents feel kind of like they've aged a little bit or they yeah. grow up a little bit. Well, he and refers I, to him as like a ticking clock, basically. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, the clock yeah. is speeding up. He's, yeah. 
Yeah. And then of course he's turning 30 mm-hmm. and the whole, I can talk about that episode, right? Where he yeah, turns yeah. 30. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you have the whole episode where he turns 30 and he buys that silk, white silk scarf for himself. Mm-hmm. And um, they do the whole mock funeral for him, which was just like, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. That goes back to them discounting him. Exactly. I'm like, you're going to do this to this guy who is so wrapped up in his, in thinking that his only value is his looks and you're going to have a funeral. Right. I mean, I think they thought it was going to be funny, but I'm like, Brian is not going to see the humor in this and he doesn't. And so the whole way he reacts to that and, and, you know, he wasn't really, I don't think trying to, of course, kill himself he was trying to do the whole erotic asphyxiation and but I think at the same time he was kind of like okay well I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life after this I don't have any value because I'm going to start slowly declining and you know Michael saying him to saying to him you're always going to be beautiful and you're always going to be young and I actually think that was a really good thing to say to Brian in a Mm -hmm. way I don't think Brian really heard it for what it what he meant but I think what he meant by it was it doesn't matter how old you get, you are always going to be beautiful because you are a beautiful person mm-hmm. and it shows through. And if you would just let people see that more, you'd even become even more beautiful. So it doesn't matter that you are turning 30. It doesn't matter that you might get crow's feet. It doesn't matter because you are still a beautiful, beautiful person right. and you're a beautiful being. And I just don't think Brian sees that. Brian just yeah. sees his physical beauty. And I think it's a struggle for him the whole mm-hmm. whole show yeah. is that fact that he is physically beautiful and that's all people value him for in his mind. That's what he mm-hmm. that's what he thinks. And I think it's really evident in that episode and his birthday with his birthday. Yeah, for sure. Cause it can seem like just a shallow thing, like, oh, I'm 30, the world's over, I'm old now. But it really is very deep for him because like you said, he, his, all of his value and all of his worth in his mind is tied up in him being this young, beautiful stud that everybody mm-hmm. wants physically. And so he feels like if that's not going to be there, then I'm nothing and I have nothing to offer. And, you know, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is much deeper than the friends acknowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the only other thing he thinks he has to offer is money. Yeah, so exactly. Money is the- I mean, that's what he offers his dad when he meets his dad at that, uh, exactly. at that place. And yeah, mm-hmm, that's, that's even what he offers for Gus. He's like, I don't think mm-hmm. that he can, he doesn't think he can offer him any love, but he'll pay for the daycare. He'll pay for the other things. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. poor guy. <laughs> uh, so with all of his very deep emotional wounds that he doesn't even understand, uh, then he's got this other thing that's being stirred up in him from a very, you know, a very unlikely place, you know, in the form of this 17 year old twink, you know? Uh, so yeah, he's got a whole lot that he's juggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he does. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, I don't know if we're going to talk about him and Justin anymore or their relationship because it's, my ultimate ship. I, they're they're my absolute all-time favorite couple. <laughs> Same. Okay. Uh, well, let me let me introduce <laughs> it so we can actually talk okay, about yeah, that. Sorry. Okay. okay. Well, no, you got me wanting to talk about it because oh, I got so excited. You said <laughs> they are my ultimate ship too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're just gonna be like lifelong friends, Aaron, because we bond over this one awesome. thing. Uh, okay. Let me get it together. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. 
All right. So there's one other relationship that we've kind of glossed over, but let's go ahead and go head first into this one. And that's his, this budding thing that he has going on with Justin. Uh, so let's stay in season one, but tell me your thoughts on, on that. Um, well, this is my all-time favorite couple. I loved them together from the very first moment, um, from the moment Brian saw Justin on the street and then their first interaction back at his loft. Um, their chemistry is off the charts. Yeah. And not just physically, they just have amazing chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love about them and what I love about Justin, because I think I just, I adore Justin so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, what I love about him is he can read Brian like no one else. Yeah. <laughs> and even at that young age, he can read Brian. He knows who Brian really is. And it doesn't matter. I mean, Brian even is so cruel to him and is like, you can see me in your dreams. Yeah. And he still goes after Brian. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And I think for Brian, Justin, Justin, I think there is this part of it that is Justin's youthful. And Brian, of course, like I've mentioned, is worried about turning 30. So he's hanging on to his youth right. through Justin. And of course, there's that whole thing of wanting to mold Justin to be like him, but maybe a better version of him. But I think there's another part of it of it's like, wow, I can push and push and push this person. I can be the complete worst version of myself. And he is in the first season. He's totally the worst yeah. version of himself. <laughs> and this person is not going to leave me. Mm-hmm. This person still wants to be with me. Um, this person wants to be intimate with me. Doesn't want to just have sex. They want to be intimate. He wants to know him. Yes. Yeah. He wants to know everything about me. And I'm sure, and I think you see it in the first season, that their intimate relations, their sexual relations with each other are even better because of the fact that Justin wants to know him on a deeper level. And Mm -hmm. I think that that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And you really see that with them. Um, Are we allowed to talk about the season one spoiler finale? I'm sorry. Yeah, we can talk about all of this. will come out after we've uh, put out all of season one. So yeah, I I thought so, but I wasn't sure. Um, And, you know, Justin, of course, I think his final push with Brian is to be sort of not so much a a couple, well, in Justin's mind, a couple, but to really show the world that Brian does care about Justin yeah. on some level beyond him being a trick. And you see it throughout season one. I mean, he keeps mm-hmm. inviting him back, letting him in, letting him stay there, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But with the with the finale of season one, which is one of the best episodes of the whole series, yeah, with him finally going to the prom and showing up at the prom and them dancing together is one of the most beautiful scenes ever yeah. because... Ryan is doing this completely for Justin because he cares so much about Justin already that he is willing to let down his guard. He's willing to open himself up and be vulnerable to this kid and, um, or this guy, I don't like to say kid, but this yeah. young guy, and he's willing to open himself up so much to that and be vulnerable on that dance floor and be romantic. That's the thing. Is yeah. That is it's very, very romantic. romantic yeah. And the fact that he gives him the scarf and 
all of that is so beautiful and mm-hmm. lovely and amazing. And I think it's one of the most romantic moments between the two of them. Yeah. And there's nothing really sexual about it. It's just purely romantic and loving and beautiful. And um, I loved them together anyway, but that scene, I think, really sealed it for me. Yeah. Where it was like, this is who Brian needs and this Uh is who Justin needs. I will say, even though I love them together, I will say I think sometimes Brian needs Justin more than Justin needs Brian, even though it may not seem that way. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. Yeah, but I think that whole scene and then when Justin is, it's going to make me want to cry, but when Justin is attacked and brutally attacked and then you see Brian when he's waiting in the waiting room and he's got the scarf and his face. And it's the first time you see Brian truly break down, truly emotionally let go and crying and sobbing and flashing back on the first night he met him and the first time they were in the hospital and after Gus is born. And it's so heartbreaking because that's when you truly see this person is so vulnerable and sensitive and so Mm -hmm. emotional and he really cares for Justin so deeply and profoundly yeah. and in a way that he has never cared for anybody else. Right. Because there is a different side to it. It's not just friendship. It's not just being a brother. It's this deep, romantic, loving connection. And he's so worried he's going to lose that. And that yeah. whole scene and him crying. I mean, Gail Harold can really cry. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> that that whole part is just... Oh, it's so amazing. And the music and how quiet it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, just from the prom up to there, you really see how much that relationship has grown. Yeah. And how Brian has finally let those cracks come. Uh Uh-huh. And opened himself up. And I and I and how deeply beautiful. Justin has embedded himself through those exactly. cracks. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's set up home. He's there. Yeah. And Brian doesn't want to get rid of him. That's the difference. Yeah. I think that you see in that episode is Brian doesn't want to get rid of him. Whereas before he wanted to get rid of him because he was scared. And I think that's the right. in, in that episode where you see that he doesn't want Justin to leave. He wants Justin to be a permanent fixture in his life. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't even comment much because I'll get emotional too. <laughs> but uh, uh, you said that sealed it for you. But I think also prom is what sealed it for them too, which makes it yes. so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we know what happens in season two, um, but uh, that sealed something for Brian. And I think also for Justin, but unfortunately, you know, we know what happens for him. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's an incredibly beautiful moment. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 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 Incredibly beautiful. Um, And, you know, I do agree with you. Uh, I was pretty much smitten with the two of them from the first episode. And that's why I said I never really saw it going Brian and Michael (laughs) in game. But that's because in my mind, I was like, this had better go. Uh, It was just something about I I still remember. And it's so crazy because when I watched it again last year, I remembered when I had seen it many years before that. And um, I still remember the look on Justin's face when when Brian pulls away after telling him you can see me in your dreams. And I was thinking they had better get back together because that was the last (laughs) episode I saw for like many years. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. 
because I was watching it with a friend and like, anyway, just all that stuff, which I've probably already talked about in an episode before, but that was all I saw. And I was just like, they had better get together. (laughs) And so, um, but I just remember caring about that. And years later, I asked the friend who introduced me to the show, whatever happened with the two of them. But um, yeah, because it's like you said, like, I just, they were exactly who the other one needed. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they complete each other. Yeah. And I mean, and and I understand, I do, honestly, even though they are my favorite couple, I do understand why people have issues with them Yeah, well, and why it makes some people uncomfortable. I do get that. Mm-hmm. But for me, Brian is not a predator. I don't. Right. Well, and a, Justin's not a typical 17 year old. Exactly. Either. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think they're kind of on the same emotional level. Anyway. I think that's what, you know, because Brian, in a lot of ways, with the way he lives his life and what he prioritizes, what he cares about, that's very immature. And mm-hmm. so that puts him more on Justin's level, but Justin is more emotionally mature than, than Brian is. Now, both of them, yeah. this is their first quote unquote relationship slash non-relationship. That's and so true. it's going to have problems and they're going to have to learn themselves and each other. And so it's going to have bumps and it's going to have hurdles and it's not going to be a perfect straight line for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I will say that. Yeah. 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 They're, they're amazing. And I, I re- that's another reason I want to come back is I want to talk about more of their relationship. Too. <laughs> the oh, they're my favorites. And, yeah. yeah. I know. Same. Okay. So we're just going to like have to do this multiple times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because there's so much more that I want to talk about, but I don't want to spoil things for kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just want to believe that there's a whole new generation of people that are going to discover queer as folk. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to yes, spoil I'm it I'm trying to get more people to watch I it. Know. I know. I know. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to push people in that direction. That's what we're trying to do because it's just such a great piece of art uh, and just such important stories and just such great yeah. characters, great acting. Yeah. It's worth the watch. Yeah. Definitely worth the watch. Yes, it is. Yeah. it is. All right. Well, Aaron, I sure appreciate you coming on to talk with me about Mr. Brian Kinney and all his complexity. <laughs> you know, I'll say this and I've, I've said this many times, but I guess I just really want to be on record for it. I think in some ways, Lindsay is more complicated than Brian, (laughs) just because her motives are always questionable to me. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. I agree. Anyway. Uh, But yes, this has been great, Erin. So thank you. Uh, Tell everybody where they can uh, find you and your podcast and anything related to it. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you again for having me on. Seriously, this has been so much fun. I'm going to go and watch some Queer as Folk now. But uh, (laughs) good for you. You you can um, follow my podcast on Facebook at it, at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. You can also find us on anchor. Um, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify. And once again, it's called it's a fandom thing. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can, I'm at E April beauty, the E and the A and the B are capitalized. All right. Good deal, Aaron. Well, we've still got a whole lot more to talk about with Brian and with some yes. of his other relationships <laughs> and his uh, the paths and detours that he's going to take <laughs> over the next couple of seasons. So we will be revisiting Brian Kenny 101. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.